Hello everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Midweek Metagame. I'm your host, Gabriel Nassif, and I'm joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Uh-huh, second place this time. I like it. Hi, everybody. And Canister. Hi. Dude, I didn't realize you literally kept track of... Uh... I just remembered when you said it then. I need to manage. Slided. I need to manage the, the the poor little egos of my co-hosts apparently, and yeah. make sure I treat them fairly and evenly. Yeah, you'd be, you'd be grateful it's a little ego, okay? Anyways, um, as always, if you want to support us, the place to do so is Midweek Metagame or Patreon.com/slash Midweek Metagame. No pressure to do so, but it definitely helps keep us going. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot to talk about this week. Canister was in Sofia for Modern, um, the Modern LEC, big uh, kind of GP-like events. And he did coverage. He was part of the coverage team. I've been playing a decent bit of Modern Pioneer uh, since the last time we recorded. So, yeah, lots, lot, lot, lots to t- talk about. And uh, Canister, why don't you uh, lead the way? Yeah, so as you said, I was uh, in Sofia this past weekend. I was doing coverage. I was one of the four commentators uh, on this event. And I have to say I enjoyed my time there and it was pretty cool to, you know, not the first time I've done that, but uh, it's pretty cool to approach Magic from this different uh, angle and get to be the person that guides the viewers throughout a very complex uh, board states and uh, certainly being you know an active streamer and playing modern keeping up mod- keeping up with modern all the time it means that uh, it's fairly easy for me to know what's going on uh, on the table and uh, you know know the popular cyborg plans popular strategies popular technology that people have in their decks i think that uh, is a very useful asset when it comes to doing that so yeah it is it has been a grand open qualifier so it's like an you know gp like but actually rcq level like tournament when it comes to the qualifications i guess it sounds much worse when i put it this way right But, uh, you know, it's a way to qualify for the RC, the upcoming RC in Ghent in... Uh, End of January. Yeah, January, that's going to be it. And uh, we get to see, I think, 15 rounds of Modern and the top 8. Eventually, the victorious deck was uh, Mono Black Coffers in hands of Carmine Danielo. A deck that I'm still getting surprised when it does well, somewhat, but, you know, I really shouldn't be at this point. Seems like just the demolition field, field of ruined spam is good enough to wrangle with uh, many decks in modern, and then on top of that, just a pile of removal and the wandering shouldered car, and just, it's good enough. Yeah, especially if some of these uh, Omnap decks are not even playing Ren and Six anymore. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's that's actually yeah, that's a good point with the advent of beans and with beans and cascade spells that you're trying to hit the beans every single time, people just omitting red and six and that makes them certainly worse off against demolition field. That's a good point. 
I hadn't even realized that looking at these lists. This is solid to keep track of in these these new four color decks. Like, I can't even imagine the the mindset that goes into cutting Ren and Six. I actually, I have to say that for me personally, because what I've been playing in modern lately was a variant of four color beans, which is mostly banned. Uh, using time warps and endurance as a way to close out the game once you have a few copies of up the beanstalk in play uh, and then you know mostly mostly bunt mana base red is just a light splash for just for the omnaths and i guess fires from fire eyes not playing red and six in a four color deck was felt liberating for me because Honestly, I struggled to put that into words or even into thoughts earlier, but I just kind of had a big issue with Ren in the deck. It's a strong card in a large portion of your games, but it's also just... It's like kind of a land deck building wise, but not a land that you can treat as a normal part of your mana base. So you end up playing a deck that's virtually like you know, 20, 28 lands when you count your rents as your lands, and that just actually caused you to flood very often. And uh, while rent is great when in, in the games where you're not drawing the proper amount of lands, where you are getting mana screwed a little bit, and then rent just draws you relevant card after relevant card every turn, that's just an insane card. I agree with that, but... Mm, it's just... Without it, you just play the proper amount of lands that you want to support in your deck, and your deck feels kind of more cohesive land count-wise, which I appreciate. It, it weirdly, yeah. it feels kind of more consistent. Yeah, that makes sense with Beanstalk just drawing actual cards instead of just drawing lands. I, I, I could see that. Um, how, how did it... Um, because last time I did commentary, I think, seriously, was arena tournaments, and it was pretty hard to keep track, honestly, of, of the board on arena, and you had to be really focused. Did you feel like when you do commentaries for these events, you have to be super focused? You get a lot of stuff wrong, uh, whether it's board state or, you know, you think a line is right, but then it turns out you had the wrong line, or is it fairly easy? Plus, you've got the, the whole, like, alt art with all these different arts now. So I was kind of curious about that. Yeah, the, the alt arts don't really seem to come up all that often. I rarely have trouble recognizing cards. I guess mostly I know the alt arts of the popular cards, and mostly just people play with the vanilla arts or the cheapest ones. I was the you're most... an old artificial <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's like my strength too, I guess. Yeah, uh, you just that's that's actually why you do it, right? Like, is this a preparation for all your coverage? cover just play with one of every copy of every art just to make yeah, sure you yeah. know all of them yeah just i'm just yeah i'm just doing coverage to see uh, what versions of cards people play with so, to, so then i can you know absorb that but no like you know we have a uh, pretty good commentary relationship with uh, skura my co-commentator you know the traditional uh, color versus uh, specialist roles i'm typically fitting more so into the expert role and then skura is i think pretty pretty good at guiding the uh discussion and uh, you know pointing things out and then i can engage with him and we i don't feel like i miss things uh, too often but certainly have to be 
a little bit focused yeah. at least. But the upside is of of like the easy thing is that paper magic can be glacially slow and when you're trying to when you, when you're playing you don't feel that as much, right? But when you are observing players trying to make a decision, you really <laughs> you have to, more often you have too much time rather than too little time. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, no, you guys do a good job. It is it is kind of funny because it is always super loaded questions from score you know he's like <laughs> you, you can tell he already knows the answer and what you're gonna say but so that that part always amuses me but yeah, yeah no. it, it, it honestly cracks me up a little bit too but i think it's <laughs> it's pretty cool and like it seems to work yeah. well yeah no you guys do a good job cool cool um anything that stood out uh, you've been playing a lot of modern anything that stood out during this tournament anything i don't know new decks or something that surprised you we you know you talked about how the mono black deck always surprises you when it does well um i haven't had a chance to play play that deck since i kind of want to but haven't got around it yet i didn't get to cover mono black too much uh i've seen a few matches but those were not the ones i was covering uh, I think from like important stats, I think I've seen only one turn one scam happen the entire time I was covering and uh, the player lost that game afterwards very promptly with <laughs> turn one fury just losing to a hungerback walker uh, <laughs> blocking and <laughs> the natural foil <laughs> yeah natural foil dropping into into a bunch of thopters and then quickly getting dispatched by some other hardened scales creatures alongside that yeah if you look at the the most played decks none of them did especially well it was not quite the pioneer level of what was it like the seven most played decks all had losing records in in Lille. yeah that's it, something something like that it was it was pretty dire yeah this time you had you had ragless scam that was the most played deck you actually had a winning record by a bit like 50.5 then you had yog and Timo Rhinos, who were slightly below 50, and then four color Omnath did really poorly, 45%. Maybe if you look at, you know, people who labeled their deck slightly differently, I know there's, you know, you can pick four color Omnath, and then maybe there's... Yeah, the labeling for coverage is always a little bit tricky on MTG Melee, because people, people name their decks themselves, and, you know, there's just so many ways you could call a four color omnav deck says so like four color omna four color kahira four color control four color combo yeah, yeah. and ten, uh, ten does it even include does it even include up the beanstalk builds presumably it's, yeah yeah it i'm guessing most of Exa the... yeah I, yeah most people do that and in fact like there is no differentiation on melee between those or at least not a significant one so that could be useful yeah. like you might want to separate the the one ring decks from the cascades shallow stage into up the beanstalk decks but and uh, that would require a lot of manual labor given that the way mdg melee is structured now is just lets the submitting person choose the name yeah yeah if you look at the most played decks it was really only hard and scales that did really well 56 percent and i think that's, that's a nice. deck that spike aspiring spike's been championing he used to say that deck's really good if omnath is not popular and now i think he even doesn't mind it as much anymore was caldron and it, i remember asking him a 
few days ago and he was talking about how if you know how to play the matchup and use your frets and uh, there's there's a lot you can do so scales scales did the best omnav did really poorly do you do you, do you have a an idea why omnav did so poorly because that's the deck you've been playing uh, that's also the deck i've been playing a decent bit in modern even though i've been playing a more so the red and six kind of old school version still up the beanstalk but not the charless uh even though i've tried both do you do you have some kind of explanation or not really it's, it's pretty hard to say but you know as we said it's a lot of decks listed weirdly uh getting grouped together so you know the build i've been playing personally i think i feel like it has you know many advantages over um uh, other builds that could be played and also some disadvantages of course but uh certainly like uh, i'm not exactly sure what's the sample size on those uh, stats on top of that so is it is it not a, not a factor of these kind of after being soaked decks essentially kind of in an arms race to beat one another so i'm looking at modern challenge results you know texas in second place with you know multiple cascade crits a shardless agent and ardent please to find it up the beanstalk uh, time warps bring to lights uh, all this sort of uh, multiple commandeers in the main deck is this these are all sort of choices that are slanted to win the mirror right are they are they or are these cards that are just good utility everywhere to some extent yeah i, I think like playing main deck commandeer is probably a bridge too far and it's not something that you can reasonably do in a format where people play you know, evoke grief on you or play Yogmo Thran Physician against you, but uh, you know, I don't mind some other solutions like just playing time warps means that your deck has a proactive uh, proactive plan that's uh, capable of actually finishing the game and it's kind of like vanilla good good against everyone except against people with fossil negation or spell peers. Yeah, I guess I'm just looking at these lists and you know, you're describing that you know the bad heavy, they're cutting down on furies or you know going as far as no furies, and that obviously creates some sort of vulnerabilities to you know in a more wide open field, especially these big paper tournaments. Kind of pretty hard to get the meta game just right. Whereas on maybe on Magic Online, what's good on Magic Online is not necessarily great for one of these LCQs. Yeah, it's. It's pretty rough, but you know, as it typically is in Magic, if you see like stats that tell you that your deck is doing well, then you say, yes, great, go deck. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah, well. yeah, very, <laughs> very well. Yes, good stats. And when you see uh, stats that seem to tell you that your deck actually has a 48% win rate, you make up 10 very different bad. reasons that <laughs> yeah, uh, could be could be behind those stats not being representative in one way or the other so i you know and i end up just trusting my my own experience uh, yeah. in prelims in challenges and then that's typically is pretty solid yeah so basically what happened is a few weeks ago, Spike started putting Charlotte's Agent and Beanstalk in the same deck, kind of just cascading into Beanstalk was better than cascading into Rhinos. And people have been iterating. I even played a, a build recently that's Charlotte's Agent. I'm playing the, the green pitch creature, Allosaurus. Oh, wow. There, there's a cult called, called Fury of the Horde, which is 
seven mana red card you can pitch two red cards to play it for free and you get an extra attack step so even that was was pretty good for me i played it in one league and people have been trying to figure out what the best charlotte's beanstalk deck is i've definitely seen counters and cast fury the hood before yes definitely. yes although not alongside olosaurus rider but also <laughs> I, I have I cast plenty of those too <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah and I guess people have been trying to figure out the best builds. I've played a bit of this Charlotte's Beanstalk build and I was struggling against Bowmaster the most. I felt like if any time I opened and draw, drew more than one Bowmaster, it was pretty hard for me to win. I also felt like the deck was maybe not as consistent because sometimes you were playing more than 60. And oh, we know how I feel about this. And, and you did have like too many too many cheap removal spells um the version i've played the most is still pretty maybe i'm just behind and and, and my build is not great but it's still like halfling and prismatic ending and run and six up the beanstalk I have i like the free mana nissa to beat um ragdos scam which is probably still the most played deck um, did you enjoy it that one time when you came to my stream and yeah. asked me to put one Nissa into my deck, to which yeah, I put <laughs> Nissa, Phyrex, and Animist. Yeah, the, the Planeswalker, and you easily 5 out the league. Easily 5 out the league, yes, yes. <laughs> made, made so many elementals, or whatever is the creature type that she creates. That was a very good suggestion, doesn't, doesn't thank disench you. Doesn't disenchant some, some up the beanstalks in the mirror? Yeah, yeah, that came up too. Yeah, perfect. Ascended Animus. Anyways, I've liked that my build. I've liked my sideboard too. I've been playing Fulminator Mage that you can get with Nissa um, as kind of anti-tron big mana deck. I have a bunch of Force of Vigor, Sunfall, Vetoes, like anti-big mana. Sunfall? Yeah, Sunfall's been solid for me, but I haven't had the chance to play a ton of modern. And wait, wait, do you mean like Sunfall, the like much of the machine sweeper? Make yeah, an incubator token? It triggers up the beanstalk. I bring it in against uh, what I do against Ragdos Cam is I board out my free halflings and I bring in one veil to Sunfall because halfling is a bit of a liability against uh, fury draws. And, uh, you know, it's a good top deck against living in. It exiles stuff against, you know, against Yogg, the sweeper is strong and exiling is strong against Harden scale. Same thing. I haven't had a ton of reps with it yet, but that's 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 my current build i have some some force of vigor because i think that card's a little too good not to play okay because at first yeah i thought that you might mean sun scour which is yet another cold snap zero mana cards seven mana sorcery <laughs> destroy all creatures and you may remove two white cards from your hand instead of paying its mana cost yeah who was good. playing that card i saw a list with that card i mean I, people just put you know every high cmc can be cast for yeah. free cards in, in their decks nowadays so certainly someone has played it like it's it's not too unreasonable probably not too great either but yeah anyways I, i'd feel like my list like a little more consistent and i think in the mirror i can did, did you I still play the one ring yeah i still played for one ring and free on mm -hmm. math just a boomer boomer version at this point no, I mean those are those are great cards, and I don't don't mind playing them. I think it's it's a very reasonable approach because you know prismatic ending is also 
certainly not a bad card it's a card you could be happily playing there is just a wealth of options in in those decks so i think what is important is to make your deck make sense for example i've been playing the version i've been describing and you know the only red cards in my deck right now is gonna be four omnath free fire eyes and one copy of magmatic sinkhole so oftentimes yeah yeah it shoots shoots down into fairy or in or, or in six but that happens rarely now because people don't play that but you know oftentimes uh, people would come into my stream and ask me hey canister why no fury and you know that's like a simple question to ask but of course uh, why no fury the answer to it is not simple because it has many many layers and you know well my deck doesn't support a red pitch card very well so like why do i not want to support it and what do would i need to do to support it how good do i think fury actually is against the popular matchups how good of a general game plan of my deck is if i you know choose to play fury and have no like way of going over the top of creatures different than just killing them over and over right so that's you know one simple question that turns into an entire forest of questions that you have to answer and uh, as you've been saying like it is important to have well I, I guess as i've been saying it is important to have a plan and as you've been saying you know having a nissa to fetch fulminator mages that's a pretty nice thing and that's you know requires some deck build deck building planning and making sure that your matchups are appropriately mapped for so I appreciate that and uh, I think it's important to do that because there's just so many cards you could be playing that many people just play 70 in those beans decks uh, anyway so it does seem to be the, the status quo this is just not have to make very many decisions and just play play more than 60 cards which I'm still coming around on what about yeah. sideboard options against the deck like you know Gab was saying that you know people drawing Bowmaster against you was really 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 good and obviously you know, playing fire ice somewhat negates that but what about cards sideboard cards like nissa uh, um Narset, sorry uh, is there there been more copies of that in the format yeah there is actually one uh interesting deck from sophia which i failed to mention for uh, the first time that gab asked me about that uh tsp yendrek so a good friend of mine yendrek got into the top 16 of sophia i believe with his build of blue-eyed control, once again, you know, Yandrek a big control uh, fan, always tries to be able to play with the card counter spell, but the deck of choice that he was running was actually blue-eyed control with Narset and Days Undoing. And a big reason, big impetus behind that decision was the fact that Narset is just better now against Up the Beanstalk. It is a card that matches up pretty, pretty well against that. Uh, so on top of that you get the days undoing synergy where you get to essentially combo off against uh, opponents that are you know tron or amulet or other decks that try to go over the top of you normally so yeah certainly there has been a little bit more narsets uh, now than there's been in the past also i've seen some in the sideboards of uh, various four color decks yeah i had a merc player bring in 
in the same game they cast, it was Nazar on Magicka Mine. They had a null for my odd the Beanstalk, because it also counters binding. And they had an R set to after sideboard that was, that was wow. a little annoying. Yeah, they prepared. Yeah, they were. Just wanted to mention something about Fury. I just never been a big fan. Every time I play Fury in these Omnip decks, I'm just a little disappointed. It sounds good in theory, but in practice, it's. I don't think it's that exciting. And you're still talking about builds and being cohesive. And for instance, in my build, in the Nissa build, I just really want to hit Omnath or Solitude every time because they're better and, you know, they're white cards. If, if I had a Solitude, I'm almost always going to have a white card to pitch to it. And if I had an Omnath, it gives me a white card to pitch to Solitude, etc., etc. So Yeah, honestly, yeah. same for me on Fury. I always, like... It's, it always seems to come second after Solitude. Like, that's just kind of always the consensus that you go for Solitude and then you add Furies. Uh, but then if you add Furies to your deck, they're kind of, you know, harder to pitch. They're often harder to cast because making double red is a little bit hard. Not, like, super hard, but sometimes requires going a little bit out of your way. For example, my build right now, I routinely have just one red on turn five or six because I don't need the second one and it's convenient yeah and uh, you just naturally end up overloading on removal but like in a way that's not even particularly great in the early game because pitching the elementals in the early game is and never really was what you want to do so you just kind of want to avoid that and then your deck has just a pile of five drops and all of them are Flame Tongue Cavus and it sometimes Flame Tongue Cavus don't match up that well against what your opponent is doing. So I definitely had this experience playing against Fury over the kind of since Modern Horizons two came out, where you know these early versions of four color were you know lots of lightning bolts, Renin sixes, Furies, Omnath. So there was a kind of it was normal for them to be kind of you know pitching a card to to evoke it early early in the game and set you back. And then as time went on. I realized that I was all that was ever happening is my opponent was tapping five mana and casting it. And now that yeah, now that you, you you're talking about it this way, I could at some point in time it just became this five map this five drop that was pretty underwhelming. <laughs> like it's not actually a good five mana card. It's like not a not a modern playable five mana card. Actually, I, I was gonna say that's when it sets it best because it reminds me of when we were testing for Barcelona and in Team Rhinos and a lot of people were playing Fury and I was like. It's pretty good when I get to cast it for five, but if early in the game, I'd just rather have a dismember, you know? Mm, um, yeah. I mean, I, I love dismember. I, I will always vouch for dismember. I love paying life to do things. It's great. I mean, if I thought it was no mystery, honestly, that Fury is like 70% want to cast it for five, 30% want to pitch it, or something like that. That's yeah. how yeah, like, I always approach it. Yeah, but it's not really a great five mana yeah. card. That's, that's the that's the truth of it. There's so many better things you can do with five mana in the format. At least that's just my my perspective. I've just been playing it more and more in Merktide, and it's just that that's that's a deck where you actually get a huge advantage by evoking it, where you you know it just gives you that huge huge boost in, in mana advantage. And sometimes you cast it in longer games, but you know that's more of a kind of yeah, it's, a, it's an afterthought, really. It's 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 there to kind of clear the way and 
keep 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 you on the front foot. And I've been enjoying it there, but that's kind of coincided with it falling out of favor in other decks. And so I guess I kind of hadn't taken note of it up until this point in time. Yeah. Do you feel like your favorite against Ragdos Scam was your your build of Omnath Canister? Kind of. Not by much, but I think so. Do you think it's... you have bad matchups then? Uh, well, like I'm currently in the honeymoon phase of thinking I have no bad matchups yet, but mm. of course, it's a good I probably I probably have some in the end. But uh, so far, I think my no, actually, I kind of hated the matchup against Yogbov, so this one was a little bit hard, and solving it seems a little bit rough. So I guess like many people sure. tell me to go to Fury to try to attack. Yagmov, but uh, I don't think Fury's gonna save you. Yeah, it's it's not really that simple, right? Because like as you would need to make your deck support red pitching, but even then, like the types of games that you lose against Yagmov, I'm not sure that Fury necessarily helps against those all that often. What other kind of games you lose against Yagmov? I haven't played that matchup. Any side, either side of that matchup. Well, they kind of snowball, honestly. They, they you yeah. know, you play a mana guy on turn one, you stumble, you don't have the perfect curve out, and they're just pretty good at at snowballing. Was always presenting a grist, a yog every turn, just like a must, must deal with Fred, but that also gives them. And now the cauldron you know, too. So, so they have a planeswalker, yeah. but the planeswalker is actually a creature, but also a planeswalker. And then there's also the Yogmov, which is just draw seven every time. And yeah, you can solitude them all you want, but if they, if it essentially has an ETB draw seven, then that's not of much help. And then Agatha's Soul Cauldron is a different pyramid type that uh, that also can be problematic. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I was liking Prismatic Ending. What I ended up doing is going down to free halfling to make room for the fourth ending. Um, but I gave you all the answers, Canister. I told you Sunfall and <laughs> and Ingachur for the Cauldron. Oh, oh yeah, I, I've been playing an Ingachur. That was honestly Ooh, nice. a, a nice suggestion, and it's hooked him right on in. I don't. I'm not sure if I managed to to chew on a Cauldron yet, but I plan on doing so. And because because I, I was running in that problem with these builds of. Of the beanstalk, you don't have prismatic ending, and Calderon is a huge issue. But you don't really want to bring in Force of Vigor because they have nothing else. Mm -hmm. So you actually don't have a, a great card for that. And, and Chur triggers up the beanstalk. It's a it's efficient and it's good against Tron. It's good against Amulet. It's good in a bunch of matchups. And I think that card is probably a little underplayed right now. Yeah, so I don't mind playing an Ingotchuar. It seemed pretty pretty fine to me nice, so far. Nice. But Sunfall, I, I will have to try. I guess I, I'm playing two Supreme Verdicts right now, like a Total Fish instead of uh, Sunfalls. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it at least at least they fought. Yeah. Does do you have a tournament? coming anything like special coming up or is the next big, big thing just Ghent at the end of January it's just Ghent but I've also been participating in the modern super league right and actually there was a oh. there was the modern super league uh, evening happening yesterday and uh, I managed to qualify to the top 8 of the event out of 16 competitors so far 
we had a pod of uh, me, Aspiring Spike, uh, Doomweg, and Caleb Durward. So, you know, the pod Pretty of tough. streamers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fortunately for me, all three of them brought meme decks, and I've just brought this deck that I've been working on, and I thought it's leg- legitimately at least pretty good. So it was smooth cruising. I, I managed to beat Spike on uh, Scion of Draco Calibrated Blast, and uh, <laughs> to wake. Scary. It's it's scary, but like it was very scary in theory. But then when we played the game, it was not scary at all. But uh, of course, maybe maybe he ran bad. And then my you know. Other opponent was Doomwake, who played Team Rhinos, except that he splashed for four shield reds, which seemingly meant that he was never able to cast Violent Outwards because there is always a watery grave amongst his free lands, and uh, neither he could, like, neither he could pitch anything because he had four black blanks in his hand. The entire tournament, so yeah. Was that? But I saw his stream title. It was like I broke four color rhinos or whatever. Broke it and literally broke it. Broke, broke as in you know not working <laughs> anymore. Exactly. Perhaps. So, so who made it out of your group besides you? It was me and Spike. You and Spike. And what's the structure for the top eight? Uh, I'm not exactly sure of the top of my head. I think it's pretty similar to the four person pods but i would need to double check actually so i can't tell you off the top of my head unfortunately i'm, I'm sorry to all the listeners do you get anything if you win yeah i think it's just a Discord's been uh, freezing for me too. I just assume you guys are keep talking and it's fine. Sorry about the little technical issues. Yeah, so what we were talking about? Me too, yeah. I was asking you what does the winner get? Uh, The prices are Magic Online booster packs and uh, I think the the old bordered Power 9 on Modo which is distributed throughout the top eight and I think it's going to be Black Lotus for the first place and then I'm not sure what's the order of prices and I'm not sure which one is excluded because there's nine cards in Power 9. It's Twister. Probably. Has to be Twister. Those all bought a Power 9 on on Moto are not cheap. Yeah, There's several hundred tickets. And they're they're also less pretty, so... Mm. (laughs) Have you played? Any, have you played any Merktide Pat? Yes, I played. I cle- I cleaned up a league with uh, my uh, whatever I, that I'd started before with an old build, and then I I switched over to what I guess was the other kind of well one one of the breakout cards of um, the Sophia Weekend, which is is it Questing Druid? I think is the name of the card. Yeah, Questing Druid. Yeah. Right. right. So this is the adventure card from. The, the latest Eldraine set, which is one half of it is Query and Dryad, so that's a one green, one one. It gets a plus one, plus one counter when you cast a, well, a non-green spell, essentially. Um, a blue, black, red, or white spell. It gets a plus one, plus one counter. But the other half of it is one red, one colorless adventure. Instant exile top two cards of your library, and you can play them until the end of your next end step. And that card seems like 
Well, it had a big... And Andre Mangucci did pretty well with it on the weekend, if I remember correctly. Uh, it's found it's found a home in other other decks as well, where you, you know, uh, Rakdos Scam in particular was started playing it, where you can just essentially splash the green side of it off of a single land or maybe two land if you're feeling particularly adventurous. But the the the, the, the front side of it is essentially redundant copies of Expressive Iteration and Merktide or more draw spell, you know, a reasonable draw spell for Rakdos Scam, and that's the sort of that card's been pretty exciting to me. You know, one half threat, one half draw spell. And so I've played two matches with it, to be frank, so I haven't had a huge amount of uh, experience with it. But on paper, I really like the idea. And I love I love the instant speed aspect to it as well, which doesn't synergize particularly well with counter spells. But on the other hand, I have also just uh, cast the draw spell and hit spell snare off of it and cast my spell snare, and that's been pretty sweet. So yeah, I think it's, that's an innovation in Merktide that's improving... Well, it's letting, letting Merktide keep up with these four-color decks, which are drawing lots and lots of cards off the Beanstalk. It's getting it's drawing cards in a way that gets around uh, Bowmasters, and you know, obviously having more draw twos is good against Grief Scam draws as well. So it seems like a, a card that's probably here to stay. And probably the biggest change to Merktide we've seen in a, quite a long time. Yet, either of you had a chance to play against it yet? I played against it all day in Pioneer, actually. Maybe we can talk right. about that a bit later, but people are putting that card into Phoenix. They're putting in that card into the Pia White Red decks. So I've played against it in Pioneer. I haven't played against it in Modern yet. Yeah, honestly, it just seems like the green, the green half of it is the is the card, the side you use the least, but it's actually just a draw to element that's the most appealing. Yeah, I actually tried playing it in Standard 2 when we were testing for Worlds in a Teamer Prowess aggro deck, but the mana was a little too painful because you had to play that City of Brass Fastland um, amongst others and a bunch of uh, pain lands, so it was a little too much and just red-green was not quite good enough, but... Um... Yeah, no, that card seems good. It seems like it could be good in prowess too, in modern, in these modern red prowess decks people used to play or the blue red prowess deck people play. seems like it would fit perfectly in, in, in these decks. I mean, we've just seen over the last couple of years that Expressive Iteration is just a really, really busted card. And, you know, Light Up the Stage has been powerful. And is it Reckless Impulse is the... yeah was is was the the one red and one colorless one that just has simply that load and so now you know this is i think stapling on an extra kind of quarter of a card or a threat that goes with it goes a long way for those of you who haven't seen or played the card it's not quite as good as a reckless impulse because basically if you play it on in your main phase you can only play the cards till that end of turn you don't get to keep them for the next one like a reckless impulse would do and you don't get to see free cards like iteration would do so you either you know you have a ton of mana and you can play it right away and play the cards or you can what people will do a lot of time is play it at on their opponent's end step or if you're worried about counter spells you can also play it on in your own end step and then you get them still till your next end step so you get them for next turn but um you know not quite as flexible you, you, i guess you probably want to wise. cast it cast it most often when your opponent is playing something right so that counter spells are 
live options, I guess, assuming you have lots of mana, of course. Yeah, assume, assuming you game. have counter spells, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely taxing, taxing your mana a little bit to play like that. And I've seen the builds, the builds that I've seen do well have played slightly less counter spells, and maybe three copies of counter spell, and uh, in, in conjunction with the cheaper counter spells like spell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you have an opinion on Merktide versus Omnath? Because the, the one or two time I played the matchup was of the Beanstalk in my deck. Granted, I don't think I've I, I resolved enough the Beanstalk against Merktide, but. I did lose and it didn't feel like an especially great matchup, but maybe the Charlotte versions and even more so the Bloodbraid versions are a little too tough for Merktide. I still had that same feeling that without Ice Fang Cottle in my deck, Merktide was going to be somewhat tough. Yeah, it's not, it's not trivial. Yeah, it's not, it's not trivial, but it is nice that Abda Beanstalk is very cheap and resolving one just swings the game so much because if you resolve one it's gets pretty doable to just kill every creature that they ever play but yeah, certainly if you don't get into a position where you can get one into play then it's it's pretty easy to get uh, tempoed by counter spell yeah. yeah i mean you're making a deck building decision that makes you weaker if you don't have your your key card in play and Merktide can make deck-building deck choices that make it harder to resolve card like up the Beanstalk, and so your deck's a little bit worse when you don't have it, and um, obviously much stronger when it's in play. So I haven't had a chance to play the matchup enough to really talk about any kind of interesting dynamics in it, but that's... I've, been, I've certainly been thinking about it when I was building my lists and um, queuing up. I was actually hoping to play against it to get a chance, but yeah, here we are. All right, cool. Um, should we talk a bit about Pioneer? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I would like to. I don't know if you guys played a ton, but I've been getting back into it. They announced Chicago um, end of February. Actually, not Valentine's Day's weekend, or I think it's also usually the, the weekend where there's the final of the Super Bowl. It's the weekend after that. So that's kind of nice. And um, the format's going to be Pioneer. There's going to be two new sets between now and then. So there might be some changes, um, especially, I guess, Cavern of Souls was pretty hyped up. That's going to be in in Ixland, so that'll be... I, I saw, I'm sorry, I had to check, but Valentine's Day in 2024 is on Wednesday. On a Wednesday, so there's no way it could have been on, one, on, on that weekend. No, but I mean the week of. The week of, I, all right. I usually miss it because I'm always gone, so I know it's... And I always say they, they do it on that weekend, the weekend right after, you know, because it's probably cheaper and people don't have as many conventions and stuff. But I guess not this year. So that's nice. Um, Fair. Yeah, format's going to be Pioneer. And I got back into it. It was a format I used to talk down on. You know, I was pretty low on it. I thought it was all boring. But just playing kind of whatever brewing, playing decks I enjoy and stuff was was cool. I've actually been enjoying the format. I've played a decent bit of the Rona Luca combo deck. I think we talked about it last time. Mm -hmm. And this is your like it's like hybrid combo, right? So it's like half trying to put a tractor into play and half retraction helix combo. Yeah, it's a deck of strategy made top eight ways in Leo. So you've That's got right, yeah. you've got the Rona Helix Mox combo. 
that lets you get infinite mana and as long as you have either a no submissa or the the free mana black green planeswalker or you know anything that you know a karn or whatever you you can you can kill them you've got karn in your deck and a karn sideboard you've got luka into atraxa so your deck is built with only one and two mana creatures except for atraxa um so you've got all these pieces going together and they all work really well together the only card that kind of sits in your hand sometimes maybe is retraction helix doesn't do a ton of on its own but the combo is really strong so there's the 80 card version was Yurion that I've liked the most so far because there was also people who have tried to play less cards but then you, you, you lose Yurion. Oh, the deck also has Bring to Light for Valky, which is really strong in some matchups because it's one card I win the game sometimes. It's really good in low resource games where you get your hands stripped by discard spells and all you have to do is, you know, if you rip Bring to Light at the right time, you just get Valky into play. The downside is there's not much else super exciting to get if you do draw your one Valky. Um, because you can't really put a creature because of Lucas, you can't put an Omnath. You can't really put five mana cards because it's hard to get the five mana for Bring to Light. And yeah, I guess you could put something like a big score or Behold the Multiverse or, you know, there's a Sweeper Extinction event you can get in some matchup. That's good, but, um, but I think maybe, that's Maybe a Sunfall. <laughs> yeah, maybe a Sunfall, but that's, that, that one's really hard on the mana too. So uh, yeah, I've played the, the, the Euron version of Decent Bid. I think it's, it's pretty strong. I've played the a version that Bill Scythe made top it was, it was 67 cards. Perfect number. Yeah, so it has still had more cards for Bring to Light so that you dilute a bit your, your chances of drawing Valky or drawing a Trexa. Um, I think the Karns were gone and it had a, a, a better sideboard, but yeah, that deck's been strong. And the other day I was brewing and we, we, I was trying to build an Up the Beanstalk. It started as an Up the Beanstalk, and it, I ended up with Luca Junt, which is same idea. Um, I guess there's no Rona combo. You're just basically the good, I wanted to play the good cards, I guess. So it's Thoughtseize, Fatal Push, Fable of the Mare Breaker, the quote unquote good cards. And then you still have Carried It and Paradise Druids as your creatures with Luca and Atraxa, and you have the Bring to Light Valky plan. And then I had uh, a few one-ups, you know, I had Extinction Event, I tried the end. I had a big score as, you know, kind of my flex card to tutor for when I don't want Valky or when I drew Valky, kind of the idea was that it, if I draw it, it can ramp me in Atraxa. I had a, a random Chariot for value because that card's been, that card's just solid and it's, it can be good with, Luca Fable and they had a slaughter games for the combo deck and I played I, I think a couple leagues of prelim I went like 4-1 and 3-1 and decks, decks felt good it felt like consistent and yeah I've, I've been enjoying the deck that's probably what I'm going to play uh, this Sunday in the in the Pioneer Challenge I thought you were going to say at the PT in, Ch in Chicago, <laughs> well, maybe. That's, that's a long way, long way yeah, from now. But I was actually, already. yeah, I was actually wondering because I think you seem to go on journeys with like slightly weird slash slightly uh, off like the main of not not really mainstream decks. Like this pretty often, 
like even in, like in the format of the PT, kind of with the expectation of like playing a format more before before a PT, I guess. Like you know, in this specific scenario, there's still uh, a few months till Chicago. But do you like pick up a deck like this? Like I assume you mostly pick it up because it looks interesting, right? And and new, and then you play with it, and it's like good enough. So you so you spend time on it, and you are having you know a fun experience improving iterating trying out new technology yeah uh, yeah that that's kind of what happens it's maybe not the best um as far as preparation for pro tour goes because i do end up spending probably too much time on some non-tier one decks you know yeah I because i think never... most often like you do that and then you rarely seem to end up playing them at the at the tournaments yeah, like I guess I assume that maybe my my teammates will do the 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 dirty work, you know, playing the boring tier one decks and figuring which one's the best. And I'm just trying, you know, to to kind of figure out something new. So that is right. I've been trying things. to do that a bit less, but that is sort of how things break down in in your in your testing group, though, right? Like you you kind of each kind of kind of break off into and and look at decks that you're interested in in the kind of homework when you're doing your kind of your groundwork you kind of you know you have various champions for different decks and you know you say your teammates do the boring work and you can see if there's a diamond in the rough or something like that and bring it back to the table at the end so there is some value in it i think but i definitely agree with canister so you seem to do it all the time yeah um yeah there was a lot of blue black days on doing i i did a lot i ended up just playing blue white control that was a while ago um I don't know. It's fun, you know. You got to keep it fun when you stream and play yeah, Magic gonna, every yeah. day. Yeah, you have uh, to do this every day. <laughs> you, you might as well do yeah, something enjoyable. Of course, I also I also had my month-long uh, journeys into building Song of Creation decks in modern. <laughs> so, you know, every now and then. So yeah, or else or else you get all burnt out, and you, you got to keep it fun in it, or else it. Um, but. Um, yeah. That that deck that deck does seem it seemed pretty legit so far. I'll have to to give it more reps, but it, it makes sense that it would be good. I feel like, you know, Thoughtseize, Fable, Push, and then the the, the Luca the Luca plan is strong. The Bring to Light plan is strong. Um, Where do you think the deck's weaknesses are? Because presumably it has some. Otherwise, it would be one of the top decks in the format. So, what? Where is it good? Where is it bad? Well, the. the my new John build, I can't really tell. It seems sure, yeah, but maybe just the kind but, of. But the the Rona, um, the Rona Luca deck, uh, it's tough. I didn't get kind of dismantled by blue white control, but that was the VFS build that plays four spell peers for Davin's veto. Oh, I saw that game actually. Yeah, you go. Yeah, that matchup felt really rough because they have the counters, they have even verdict and portable holes decent against you. Uh, you barely have a sideboard, so you don't really have Thoughtseize disputes to fight back. And I did win one game where, you know, just jam a Fred every turn and hope they stumble, and that's kind of what happened. But I, I did not manage to to win two of these games. But what about um, deck like Phoenix? Like, Phoenix seems like it should be horrible on paper. Just you know, a combination of clock and disruption. And... Yeah, people have told me that the Phoenix matchup is rough because they have 
counters. The, the removal is fairly efficient against you, Fiery Impulse. In practice, it's been really close because Karn can be decent against them because of Crypt. You have Extinction Event that is really strong in the matchup. Um, and, you know, your deck is just... I guess it's maybe better than it looks. It is pretty explosive with all the mana, the Kinendras. You know, if they if they miss a beat or if they tap out, you've got carried it plus Luka. Game one, they don't have that much to interact. You know, they have maybe a couple spell peers. Uh, so if they draw well, sure it's gonna be rough, but you're you're fairly fairly powerful and. From Phoenix's yeah. side, I I certainly also struggled a bunch against the cards uh, Tivar, Tivar. Yeah. Uh, so the haste, effective haste on all the mana dorks and most importantly Rona, and just rebuying Rona right after you spend a fire impulse. Like you sure have a lot of those impulses, but not an infinite amount, and you can run out of them at some point. So that card specifically was somewhat scary. Yeah, but I would agree. Probably decks with with counters interactions has been pretty tough against against Ragdos. Um, you know, you've got Bring to Light for Valky that's really strong. Your attracts at plants pretty solid against Ragdos sack. You know, anything where Karn is good, um, that's that's a nice little bonus. And but you, you've got some some pretty obscene draws. Like it's not that hard to get turn free attracts into play, and then. Sometimes you just combo out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm starting to see how it's it's got kind of haymakers in a lot of different matchups. I would agree that Phoenix tough. You know, probably something like Spirits would be pretty tough. Um, any any control deck, whether it's blue white or blue black, would be pretty tough. On the plus side, it's been decent against mid range decks. It's been decent against. I've played against like you know, Omnath, auto bring to light six as you're, you're faster at casting bring to light and at putting a track into play. I've been decent against the, the white red convoke deck because you have just random blockers and they're not super good at, a, at, at, at beating a track side. They have maybe a couple giant killers in their list, but um, they don't have removal in their main deck and Rona is you know, a one three four two is like pretty decent against them in the early game. Yes. <laughs> what about the consistently best performing deck on every Pioneer tournament ever? Well, Lotus Field? Yeah. Uh I haven't played this matchup a ton. Karn is, is good for you there. I would I wouldn't mind the matchup because Karn is Karn is pretty decent against them. Um you have your own combo, even though they are pretty decent at stopping it because they have Boseju and Ottawara. So it's fairly easy for them to disrupt, you know, just kill the Mox in response with Boseju, basically, when you go to bounce it with Helix. That part is annoying. And um, I think this one is maybe a little sideboard dependent. If you have no no Thoughtseize, no Dispute, no good interactive spells to attract sign to, it feels like you're maybe a little all-in on Karn. Um, I did play the matchup a bunch. I think I played it twice with my John version, and that felt pretty good because I had the disruption. I was attracting into relevant stuff. 
um, I had the one slaughter games in the main deck too. I had uh, a random like pithing needle. You know, I had a few few. Um, I had a few extra discard spells in the sideboard. So I guess I would say you know Karn is good in in the when you're playing the Karn version and having just a few things that you can attract sign to goes a long way because you know attracts that does see ten cards. And just hitting, you know, a needle, a discard spell, a dispute could, could go pretty... Even a Boseju, you know, could maybe go a long way. So the more of these cards you have against Lotus, the, the better off you're going to be. Okay. Well, that's certainly a nice position then. In that case, I can I can describe in a few words my preparation for Chicago so far, since I learned that it's going to be in Pioneer. And namely... I went online and I ordered an anime omniscience and a yellow and, and a pink uh, left facing promo Zakama, which looks really silly. <laughs> okay. I already had the Dromoka that seems like one of those uh, color blindness tests uh, in my collection, so I, w I was covered on that front. <laughs> and. Uh, I also just for good measure put two Japanese uh, mystical archives growth spirals into my card to make sure if I want to play that card I am properly equipped. So that's been my preparation so far. Nice. So I was gonna ask you if you had an an opinion on the white red convoke guy. Sebastian put convoke deck. Sebastian Pozzo apparently forrowed his last four prelims with the deck, and he actually beat me in a. When I was playing John, I think I messed up both games against him, so I was a little disappointed. But that deck has seemed not super consistent against me. Um, but he's done really well. Have you, you know, you've played a lot of the Heroic version. Have you gotten a chance to play the Convoke version too a bit? Uh, I think calling those decks versions is a little bit misleading because I think they share a total uh, of zero common spells. Maybe, uh, yeah, I think just, I guess, running ball in the sideboard. Uh, but I will have to take a look at his at his list if you say that he followed four prelims in a row. That is actually a lot, but... Well, you know, there's a heroic version was Eliminator, you know, the the, car, the creatures that get counters. And then that version, I, I don't know, maybe you misheard me. I was calling it Convoke because it has, it relies on making a bunch of one ones with the glistening... The artifact, you know, the one where you target your artifact, get free one ones. Okay, that's and, new to me then. And then it has the the one of the most important cards is Knight Eon of Eos, because you, you play that card ideally on turn two, and then you find um, the the recruiter that gives you know Bushwhacker or recruiter. Um, so. That deck, uh, you know, that deck's up there as potential, you know really good deck in Pioneer. There's also just still Ragdos Sag. There was a challenge this weekend where it was Leverado against Jabberwocky in the finals. Levunga against Jabberwocky on Magic Online. Just uh, battling for Ragdos Sag domination and it was Logan who won. Um, so... A classic yeah, mirror guess, match. Yeah, it's kind of Pioneer right now. Um, I've been playing some blue black days on doing again i've been back on my blue black uh kick because that's i think that's the 
maybe the deck that people ask me the most to play. So I was like, yeah, why not? You know, I've got n nothing to really, well, I've got the PT to prepare for, but say four months, so we're kind of in a lull where I'm just kind of playing whatever, brewing and, mm -hmm. you know, it's same old blue black. It's, it feels pretty good as long as you're not getting paired against Ragdos. Yeah. Um, and that's been my experience again. I will say the days on doing version might, you know, maybe need a bigger sample, but does feel like maybe a waste, like it might feel like this is a better build to beat red black because you can just get to six mana and our set days on doing still a bunch of games. So, um, I still wouldn't want to get paired in, in a matchup, but it might be good. You've got people like Wafo who's been playing four quick study four deluge four shark typhoons so maybe quick study helps a tiny bit against red black too and all their discard spells but in my experience card drawing so rough because you're drawing cards and then they're drawing cards with bang buster and killing you at the same time you know you've both drawn a bunch of cards except they have a, a free four four at the end um so are casting a quick study and the shield right on board deals four damage to you so <laughs> yeah that too <laughs> That's a problematic line too. But yeah, if ever people decide to stop playing stupid red black mid range, you know, that's not even that good, right? Maybe maybe blue black can be the medical for uh, for for the PT. You never know. <laughs> maybe it seems pretty hard to make meta game calls <laughs> like this and, and pioneer a little bit too wide of a format, so Yeah. That's why oh. so far I'm joining every problem with Lotus Field lately, and maybe yeah. maybe we'll have some something else in mind in the future. Of course, two more sets until the PT. Yeah. So I w I've been far. I also have been enjoying farming in Lotus Field with uh, the blue black deck. That's mm. mashups pretty easy. Oh yeah, that that's yeah, that's definitely a pain. Whenever they just go Narset into. Days undoing, or not even days undoing, just just our set, yeah. just just just, just, just our set, and then you know. I've been trying a few cards. I've been trying pithing needle, one main, one sideboard. The idea was that it's decent against the oven. It helps you against Bangbuster, which is maybe one of you know the best card or one of the best cards against you. It hits something in most matchups against some of the aggressive decks. You can at least name Mutavolt, um, and. It names Karn too, so I've been decently happy with that choice, even though I've never been a huge Pithing Needle fan because I feel like it's always a bit awkward, but it's been decent. I also tried the, um, the Black Virtue, and in the first league I played, I didn't get paired against Ragdos, and it was pretty bad for me overall, so I cut them, and then I got paired against Ragdos, and I was like, oh yeah, that's that's maybe why Virtue, you know, Virtue. But the idea is, you know, it, it lines up decently well against. They're free to, and then later in the game, it's kind of hopefully a win condition that can help you win the game when they hit you with a bunch of discard spells, you know. Uh, so maybe I should go back to trying that card some more. I saw lists of, I think it was Danny and Rebels that two, two in their main deck, so that card, that card could be good um, if you're trying to beat Red Black. I would say... One interesting thing that I am noticing in your description of, you know, the format and the matchups and what you've been playing against is a pretty glaring absence of mono green. I don't think you even mentioned it. And I've mm. been looking through MTG Goldfish's uh, past 
results from the past weekend i don't even see like any results from mono green in the past weekend whatsoever yeah, I Inter played interestingly played against mono green once was blue black but i will say i don't think i've ever played the rona versus mono green matchup whether it's my john build or the 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 rona luca build um which seems like it would probably be tough to have Karn to stop your mocks and you're probably not too good at disrupting mana elves early so they get to ramp in the first yeah, three turns yeah i guess you're also ramping you're also threatening like something like turn for your traxa but then if you can't get rid of Karn, hmm, that's interesting I, mean, I guess you have extinction event too as bring to light. you have extinction event in valky with your bring to light so your your combo plan might not be great against Karn, but does your Atraxa other really actually bait them though can't they just go over the top of Atraxa? Probably Atraxa plus Extinction Event, which is not very hard to do because you just have to find another Bring to Light or... Yeah. And then I guess maybe your own cards are a bit annoying for them. I could see that. But Atraxa is odd-costed too, right? So Yeah, that's Not true. the greatest combo with uh, Extinction Event. No, but maybe you're... it helps you get rid of their Karn and then you just combo them. And I guess if they don't have Karn, you... They don't have much removal. I guess they have Bastasia as well. They usually play a couple Bastasia. I haven't played that matchup, so I'm not too sure. We can see a game close, though. Probably whoever is on the play is massive favorite. Yeah, just pretty but, interesting that maybe there is a little bit less mono green than, than usual. Just actually looking yeah. at the prelims and challenges from this and past weekend, I've found one 5-0 mono green devotion necklace from the classic qualifier in sofia and that's that's it now that's been my experience too maybe people are finally off it you know well it's probably you know too strong and people just don't want to they're just too bored of wins that are too easy yeah <laughs> that's one interpretation but could be something else too yeah but you know, I will say I've been enjoying Pioneer after being kind of Pioneer hater for a long time. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly what should, what has changed. It's just irrational, you know. Yeah, I'm more. Maybe it's maybe it's you who has changed. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just the advent of kind of seventy card decks just really letting you <laughs> unleash your creative deck building. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> should we put All our right, life on the line? Yeah, let's wrap it up. All right. For those of you who are new, we do Life on the Line at the end of each episode. It's a tournament, theoretical tournament, should I add. If you win, you live. If you lose, you die. And we each have to bring a deck in the formats we've discussed. So um, it's going to be Modern and Pioneer. Um, I guess I'll lead the way. For Modern, I would play... Hmm. I would put my trust into Canister and play his Omnath list. But maybe I would play my Omnath list, but maybe Canister has been playing a bit more. Maybe winning a bit more. Um, and in Pioneer, I would play nice. this this jaunt uh, Luke I bring to light deck that I built and that I think is pretty good. Sorry, choices. Right. <clears throat> For me... In Pioneer, it's going to be the exact Lotus Field decklist that I have for old the prelim with today. So, Ooh. just Ooh. extremely, 
yeah, extremely confident in that. Even has a cyborg Sunfall, uh, Gab's favorite card. Oh. So <laughs> a big, uh, you know, not not a single card I'm unhappy about in that decklist at this very moment. And for modern, I'm going with the Time War Beans variant. I've been tinkering right. with and uh, mastering over the past few weeks. I've been having a good amount of fun playing it and trying to make it better and uh, it also has the splitter twin combo deck vibes because you actually do take five turns in a row with time warp and endurance at a certain point of the game and that's just fun to do so not only strong but also fun in both formats okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna cast more expressive iterations and try and grow query and dryads in modern so i'll play murktide with uh couple of copies of Murktide Regent and then four copies of Questing Druid and try and flip into some counter spells in response to people's uh, people casting things and then in Pioneer I'm going to put my faith in the deck that counters are four at the prelim with and play Lotus Field Wow Solid. No Phoenix with Questing Druid Ooh, it is tempting No, I'm going to play Lotus Field I, I, I really think that deck's great Alright, Cool, because I play some bad decks in Pioneer, but they do have the upside of usually farming a Lotus Field. Oh, very good. Uh, farming, you say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pat, where can we find you on the internet? Well, you can find me getting an early night's sleep. I just, I've been going to bed like six or seven o'clock in the evening every night. Um, you can also find me at, on Twitter at get underscore smart interacting with fellow chemists usually mostly interacting with fellow chemists yeah what about you canister canister underscore mtg as usual on both twitch and twitter and just canister on youtube yeah and you can find me on twitch twitch does tv slash yellow hat i have a youtube channel twitter at gavin asif and um couple weekends i'll be repping ultimate guard and playing in their charity event too should be a fun event i think it's historic brawl which i've never played yet <laughs> and i need to submit a deck list and then standard good tier. luck yeah well at least <laughs> i think i have the standard cool. down oh yeah i actually played in the arena qualifier i went five two on day one which was not good enough you need to go seven seven one or better arena right. qualifier the in the line i'll play whatever historic deck brawl no, that was, that was standard. And okay. So yeah, if someone's looking for a standard <laughs> deck, I still like the Ram deck, but Esper Midrange is still really good. These two decks are probably the two best decks right now. Um, but yeah, as always, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Hope you'll have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you all next time.